0: Hello and welcome to the Ionomics Community Podcast. This is a weekly or every two weeks or every 10 days discussion of all things related to Ionomy and the Ion blockchain. My name is Michael D. Pomerantz, that's at MDP underscore ESQ on Twitter, ESQ refers to my being a former attorney, which means that this is a good time to remind you, this is not financial advice, this is not legal advice. This is for information purposes only, for your enjoyment. So if you want my personal Twitter, where we can talk about music or F1 or other non-crypto stuff, that's at M-P-O-M-Y, and this is an M-POMI production. On this episode of the podcast, we'll have a news roundup what's been going on with ION and the ION blockchain. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about tokens. I know you're still excited about tokens, and I wanted to just touch on the cross-asset reward system. Uh, I'll tell you about two uh, crypto media people that I've, uh, well, two tech people, one crypto and one not, uh, and I'll recommend their work. And I'll get back to tech and toys. I'll tell you about the writing app called Ulysses and all that coming up on Ionomics Community Podcast. Public beta testing of the tokens has begun. I know there have been some Hulk coins. Uh, I heard somebody talking about a Moon coin. A few members of the community have joined the party too, which not just... Uh, the team. So thank you. If you're listening to this and you've made some coins, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you haven't tried it yet, uh, it's not only fun, but the, you know, the feedback we get from people and just having the system, uh, having ATP, that's atomic token protocol get used. It just helps us make it better. So the more folks who get involved, uh, the better in uh, some other news, we are on target for letting ATP loose to run in the wild by uh, the end of the month or very soon after. So just just a couple more weeks and it will be for real with the tokens. Another thing that's been discussed a lot lately, and I think there's going to be some more formal announcements in that regard, is the pivot. And I don't want to go too far into what the pivot is, but there's going to be some philosophical changes, some economic policy changes that are based on what's been learned so far, also observing what's going on in crypto. So looking at all this data and all this time that Ionomy has been working and all this time that the Ion blockchain has been active, and then Using that information in the context of what's going on today and what's expected to keep happening or what's expected to happen in the future, the time to pivot to a different economic model has come. And it's something that's been talked about for a long time internally. And now it's going to start to be talked about externally. And this is IIP6. And I will try and get you a lot more information on that as it's sort of packaged or as it's understood by the communications department. And we'll also try and get some folks who know the most about this to come on and speak directly to the issue. So uh, big changes, but very exciting that we're able to engage in this kind of pivot uh, that we're not so stuck in our ways uh, and burdened down, even though Ionomy has been around for a good little while. Okay, what else do we have in the news dump? Uh, There's great news for XDM owners. Uh, now, you're not the hodlers yet because until ATP is ready, the coins are not actually uh, minted. But I believe that when the actual asset will be transferred, in other words, when you, uh, you can use your XDM however you want, Um, is gonna be at the same time as the mainnet tokens. So the real thing has to be able to get into your hands in order to get the developers to be able to do what we want them to do, make their gaming tokens, make their in-game economies. So that means that that same timetable, end of the month or very soon thereafter, uh, is when we're gonna see XDM actually distributed. And that's uh, super exciting. Um, this should also mean that the Atom asset is getting its token. Uh, I don't have at my fingertips a specific schedule in that regard. But again, once the uh, once ATP is out of beta, uh, even though we're testing publicly now, um, at that point, there's no reason why there's going to be any delay for creating the Atoms. Plus, they need to be in hand and I'll talk about this a little bit more with cross asset reward system, but the Atom asset needs to be in hand so that it can interact with XDM and start to collect not only the airdrops, but also the portion of the fee once the XDM is in use to make tokens on the mainnet. So uh, that stuff is pretty exciting. We want information. Information. All right, let's talk for just a minute about cross asset reward system. Uh, I referred to it or it was referred to on social media as cross asset functionality, but it really refers to the reward system. It highlights kind of the superior depth of ATP's coding and development. And it's something that may not really affect people's life very much. To the extent that they don't have uh, atoms or don't have XDM. But it's still worth bragging about, because again, as far as I know, there's no one else who has this kind of uh, reward system and this kind of functionality. So simply stated, there's a regular reward system whereby you get XDM without owning or staking XDM. Now, just use that word so that we can compare it to ION. If you are staking ION, you normally get your ION rewards, but that's all you get. And the same is true with Dash. If you're staking Dash, you get Dash rewards. But what the ION blockchain now has is a system whereby you're staking one asset, and that leads to rewards that are denominated, uh, in this case, in addition to a different asset. So, that's what we're talking about when we talk about this cross asset reward system. Um, And I think, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, uh, but it's important to understand why we brag about it and why we're excited about it. But it's also, put it in context, it's not the kind of thing that changes what your basic understanding of the functionality is. Um, The other news item on the Ionomy blog is the opening of. Testnet referred to this in the introduction. Uh, we want you to come and test. It's great news for us. Uh, it's great help for us. And, you know, it's just fun. What do I see so far? Uh, obviously, goat coin, wolf coin, boobs coin, uh, Hulk, Huey, shit, king of. Uh, there's a Coke coin, there's a Zeo coin, uh, Thor coin. So we're getting great feedback on how this works and it seems to be working pretty well. I haven't had a chance to play with it all the way through, but I have messed around with it a little bit and it's it's pretty straightforward. To just make a top level token, it is pretty straightforward. Now, there was a advanced class where they take you through the whole creation of sort of parent and child relationships in the coining uh, hierarchy. Um, that would be for the creation of an in-game economy. Uh, I haven't messed around with that. But again, the the capability is there uh, and the information on how to do this is also there. So if you want to start playing around, uh, come by and see what you think. I will not make any deals with you. I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. I've really enjoyed this transformation in my professional life uh, and anyone who lear- who loves learning and loves you know scandal and loves technology and loves gossip I mean crypto there's a lot uh, there's a lot to discover in crypto school uh, how not, and, and not just how the technology works but why it fits in with the world as it is today. So I'm not looking to get too deep over here on this, uh, you know never-ending treasure trove. But it there's no there, there's no limit to what you can learn about. And my experience has always been that I learn the most from great teachers. And that certainly applies to people on the Ionomy team. Uh, but I'm also learning a lot through what I take in through crypto media. And I want to point out and be, you know, take take a minute, it's not a plug because they're They shut it down, but um, I'm really going to miss Coin Talk, which was a podcast uh, with Aaron Lammer and Jay Kang. And they were, you know, they were hilarious. They were informative. They had guests. They had strong theme music. um, And it had a very journalistic feel. Jay Kang, he has a a substantial amount of journalistic cred, uh, including at Grantland. So he's got that nice Bill Simmons mojo. And it showed in his presentation. And then Aaron Lammer has got a lot of media credibility. He he brings a lot of podcast experience. I mean, very nice presentation, very nice feel, um, and a real professional fit and finish to the show. And I think uh, Lammer brings a lot of that. So they had superb content. They taught me a lot about crypto. And I, I sort of, I guess I would describe their... Disposition as two guys who rode high on the shitcoin wave. In other words, they weren't engineers. They weren't pioneers. Um, they got in on the shitcoin wave, and they never took themselves too seriously. Um, and sort of when everything kind of went down after uh, 2018 started, you know, I was listening to them when I thought BTC would never be worth more than thirty five hundred. So it was a delight. It was very informative, and I will go back and listen to more of their other uh, previous episodes. I think they did like 90 episodes, but it was, it was great to have it come out and sort of commenting on the news and helping me learn more about crypto. So Bon Voyage, Aaron Lammer and Jay Kang, I know uh, they even said like the craziness of following this world constantly is a grind and it takes its toll. So, I have found something uh, something great to fill that Coin Talk shaped hole in my heart. Um let me tell you about the show called What Grinds My Gears. And this is a podcast hosted by Melton Demerars and Jill Carlson. Uh unlike Coin Talk, these two are more like insiders or industry people as opposed to journalists commenting on something that they don't Uh, Have a lot of personal involvement except for their uh, shitcoin bags. So it is like uh, Lammer and Kang uh, in that they're young, they're entertaining, uh, and it's very informative. By way of background, uh, Melton Demerar is probably somebody you've heard of. She's an investor from Deloitte who has really become a, a great leading voice in crypto. She runs CoinShares, which does a lot of major crypto trading and investing. Uh, She testified before Congress at the invitation of the Republican committee uh, members when they were talking about Libra and Facebook. She said some interesting stuff uh, that same day in post-testimony interviews. Uh, Her partner in this in this podcast is Jill Carlson, and she's another Wall Street alum. Uh, She has a crypto consulting startup, it looks like. And she's, I think, worked for a couple or helped create a couple of businesses. And in the few episodes I've heard of, I've heard already, and they haven't had that many. I think it's fewer than 30 episodes so far. Uh, Carlson brings some more perspective It goes beyond kind of the technical and financial aspects of crypto. I think Carlson has uh, some nonprofit um, and even, dare I say, social justice interests, and it's a nice balance with uh, Meltem, who's uh, who's who's sort of got a different perspective. Um, just to give you a taste, uh, here's a couple of clips. I only highlighted that Melton was invited by Republicans, because if you know me, you know what might grind my gears is, I think there are a lot of troublesome issues that are either originating or perhaps not properly understood by the political right. That might mean I don't want to hear from or value someone who's uh, testifying before Congress at the invitation of Republicans. But... When it comes to the person who's actually giving the testimony and providing honest uh, answers and analysis, I get the impression that Melton DeMars doesn't care about you know this Republican-Democrat thing. Uh, so bravo to the Republicans who invited her, um, because this person is just going to speak her mind, I think, regardless of who invited her. This is from an interview she gave right afterwards, and I'm not giving parts of her testimony because it was really a lot about Libra, and I don't think there's a lot to talk about with Libra at the moment, Um, but it does give us some insight to uh, how she presents and also uh, some of the values she holds regarding crypto. Hang on.
1: Cryptocurrencies are not going away. It's been 10 years since the Bitcoin network launched. The Bitcoin network is worth a lot of money. Um, You're showing the Bitcoin ticker every day almost, so investors are looking at it. Cryptocurrencies are here to stay. And everyone wants financial innovation. I think in speaking about the unbanked, which by the way are not a body shield, and that is not just a technology problem, but everyone wants to facilitate more innovation to enable the quote unquote digital economy to grow through things like cryptocurrencies. Nobody is arguing with that. I think what we are trying to determine is how do we make the United States a place where innovators continue to build businesses? And how do we create a regime, a regulatory regime that reduces the burden on small startups and firms and allows them to compete with really large corporations who have great lobbyists, very expensive lawyers and large war chests.
0: So the first part is sort of a throwaway, but I like that she's not limiting her comments and analysis just to BTC. The first question asked during her testimony, um, and if you want to go back and look at the testimony, I'll give the link. But one of the first questions that she's asked is, does she know the difference between BTC and shit coins? It's always fun when a congressman uses the word shit coins. Anyway, it's a cheap laugh. It's nice to know that people who have a big voice in this community are not BTC maximalists, at least not yet. All right. The next excerpt uh, that uh, I want to play, we go from the um, positive vision that Demerars has for the future of crypto to the positively grumpy. But Kara Swisher uh, has good reason to be worried. She's a business and tech journalist. She's a New York Times columnist, seems to have incredible insight and access. Now, she may overplay some of that in her public comments, but uh, her stuff is pretty tight. Um Her views on privacy have done a great deal to kind of shape my thinking as I've gotten more into uh, everyday thinking about tech and crypto. And I wanted to share some of uh, her types of ramblings and rantings with you. This is her uh, on CNBC reacting to Tim Cook's public concerns about privacy. Hang on.
1: I think what's happened is a lot of tech people, on the other hand, let me just say, if you think they, care, you're wrong. They still are not getting the message. They still don't care. A lot of the major executives in Silicon Valley, including people on boards, are just like, why are you bothering us? This is ridiculous. This is PC. This is, it's just, they exhaust me with their lack of ability to take responsibility. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it was interesting, and I, I don't think Andy Jassy's among these, but one of the things he said about facial, facial recognition is not, this is problematic. He's like, we'll let them, we'll do things until it's not legal. And know well, that's that's very different from this is probably bad and problematic and we have to think hard about it then we'll do it until you pass a law so,
0: so these are comments that uh, Cook made and this is commentary that Swisher gave back in June of this year you know if you listen to uh, if you listen to what she says like we're in a whole lot of trouble with these giant tech companies um, I think it's important that she, that she crusades as hard as she does and still manages to bring, you know, journalistic fact-finding to her content. Um, She's the editor of Recode, which is, I guess, a sub-brand of Vox. And like, I guess, Grantland was for ESPN back in the day. Swisher herself has two great podcasts that I know of, maybe more, uh, but they're through her Recode label. And I think they also have... Uh, Not with her, but uh, someone else on Recode is doing a podcast about uh, Amazon called Land of the Giants. So I'm going to check that out and report back to you. Where am I? In the village. All right, I want to finish with a quick discussion of, uh, I I always like to try new toys and if something sticks, if, so, if a certain piece of productivity software works out for me, I want to share it with you. So this is the tech and toys section. Maybe I'll be able to come up with some fancy theme music for tech and toys. So I want to talk about a writing app that's used in Mac and iOS environments called Ulysses. And let me start by saying I don't like cults. Um, it's one thing to have your favorite, especially when it's something uh, that you've chosen among comparable products or experiences. But blind loyalty uh, that causes unsound judgment, that's the sort of thing that can make you poor or get you hurt in much worse ways. Now, there's a long-running publication called Cult of Mac. I'm sure it's uh, still around. I don't think they print a magazine anymore, but it goes back decades. And I guess that's the community sort of saying we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we acknowledge this grain of truth about being a cult. Uh, Anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but through most of my professional life, I've vacillated a little bit of time with an Apple product, a little bit of time with an Android product. That's not always been the case with Windows uh, slash Mac at home. But at least with the phones, I've been pretty good about uh, going back and forth. Now, eventually, I wanted to try out all of the pretty uh, toys and tech that are only available for Apple. And of course, you know, you're getting into a closed ecosystem, and the trap is set with these beautiful looking programs, and I fell into the trap. The longer you stay the harder it is to get away. And it's really unfortunate because I'd love to try out the new Samsung. But at this point, I'm so buried in uh, cloistered apps that I can't get away. But that brings me to Ulysses. And although this one is in that category, I still think it is a great application. Uh, I found out about it on a website called The Sweet Setup. They shill hard for Mac. I read it anyway. I just take it with a tremendous grain of salt. Um, But the website's exactly what it sounds like, ongoing reviews of, you know, what the editors think is the best productivity software and hardware for Mac users. Uh, And now that I work from home, you know, I'm not constrained by the requirements of what everyone else in the office is using. I just need to make sure that I can get on the internet and that I have reliable tools. When the team that I work with, with Ionomy is working on, Documents, uh, you know, we use collaborative documents like G-Doc and uh, other comparable products. This is not, Ulysses is not a good solution for collaboration. Um, It's great for your medium articles or preparing notes for a podcast or even just jotting down an idea for a story. It's got, I mean, the minimalism is almost taken too far in some Mac apps and products. They want to give you such a clean look that you have no functionality. But here, this minimalism feels more like a lightweight race car. In other words, when you take weight out of a race car, you make the car faster. It works better. It does its job better. And what I have found with Ulysses uh, and believe me, I'm a sucker for a splashy, beautiful, colorful work environment. And I and it took me a long time to warm up to the Ulysses because it's got none of that. But by taking the weight out, it became much more focused on what it was supposed to do. In other words, it did its job better. You know, for that I'm very thankful. Uh, it's got some organizational tools, like it's just enough. Like. Instead of writing on page one, page two, page three, you just have sheets, and the sheets are as long as they need to be. So you're not distracted by margins or by page uh, breaks. Then once your sheets are done, you can reorganize them in whatever order works for you. And that is an extremely uh, simple piece of functionality, but it's really helpful and it really uh, gets me, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it does work. It gets me focused on creating the content um so I am you know not getting paid by them uh I've not contacted them but I do feel like the Ulysses product which I think now is like version 17 I mean there is a small fee oh yeah there's a small fee for it well what's the fee for the fee is for it doesn't sync so if you take some notes on the iPhone, and then you wanna come back on your Mac and expand the idea. Uh, It's not syncing, it's real-time. And to me, real-time makes all the difference in the world. I don't want to use apps that sync. Syncing takes too long. You're depending on a third party to keep you out of trouble. Syncing is a disaster. Real-time, where you're actually changing the same document, no matter which tool or interface you're using, that means that it's always right, it's always correct. And that is exactly uh, what I need in order to get my work done. So go check out Ulysses to all those writers. All right. At this point, I just want to tease one more time that we have a very interesting conversation that we're going to start to have uh, a little bit more publicly. And hopefully we'll have a guest or two to talk about what this extraordinary ion pivot is going to consist of. Um, But in the meantime, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Try and be a little bit more on time now that the kids are going back to school and we're getting serious with uh, the fall football season, everything coming up. So I'll remind you that nothing in this podcast constitutes professional, legal, or financial advice. Crypto markets can be extremely volatile, and everyone is strongly urged to do their own research or consult with the appropriate financial professional. Also, this podcast is independent but not unbiased. I'm a member of the Ionomy team, but I've also been given some space to do this project on my own, and that's why it's an MPOMI production and not something that emanates from an Ionomy.com page. So am I shilling for Ionomy? Absolutely, yes, but that's not all we talk about here. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Ionomics Community Podcast.